Good. Yeah. It's good. Good momentum going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. That's the idea. Yeah. It's been good. It was a, good, it was a solid January, and looking forward to a, a, a pretty strong February. So making sure we have consistency month to month. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll try to hit that goal by dinner. <laughs> yeah, we'll try not to keep you hanging on too too long. Yeah. So I've got a question. If you want, if we get, let if you we, go first, then I'll follow up with your with, okay with mine because we both have questions today. I do have a question. Oh, go ahead, Todd. I said, hey, I said, yeah, good. I'm, I'm ready to get started. That's all I'm saying. Oh, gotcha. Um. So I want to piggyback off something and, and off of something you said in the sales, the sales kickoff meeting that we had, um, specifically around prospecting. Um, I, you know, I know that we typically seventy percent of our business eight is coming from industrial manufacturing, but I wanted you to kind of explain in more detail some high end energy users that we should be targeting for maintenance agreements for maintenance that could potentially turn into dynamic opportunities on the back, after we get in there, get a, get a benchmark done, get a G contract. What kind of high-end users outside of manufacturing should Matt and I be targeting going forward? I wanted some more detail on that. Yeah, good. Um, so I call, I, I've been thinking about the, the words so I, I call them big energy users, okay? So um, big energy user, that to be a big energy user is somebody with a six-figure okay. utility bill, mm-hmm. which is going to turn into us, I believe, at home with our own uh, houses soon. Um, <laughs> yeah, people, businesses with six-figure energy bills mm-hmm. have a significant amount of money that could be saved each year. That, mm-hmm. would, that would make a difference in their budget to redirect. Also, I feel like big energy users are going to face public scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Is that six-figure energy bills over the course of a year, or are you talking about some monthly, bill. monthly bills? Over the course of a year. Okay, great. You know, so if you're looking for nine or nine thousand a month, nine or ten thousand and up a month, mm-hmm. energy users, those those kind of places. Okay. There's a lot of them. Um, yeah. And those, and so. Roger, now then, that I said that to answer your question, um, it's going to be uh, K through 12. It's going to be institutional. Mm-hmm. Institutional is, uh, you know, campuses. Um, okay. Oftentimes it's uh, higher ed. That's institutional. Um, large, large churches. I'm talking about large churches. Not every church. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it's uh, technology centers. Technology centers have a huge energy bill, and they face a lot of scrutiny for that. And they're looking for ways to um, to show that they're trying to do the right thing uh, with their energy costs. Uh, 
obviously large office, so large square footage with office buildings. Um, and then we got the whole uh, public sector that typically we stayed away from, which is state, local, government, municipalities and such. Mm -hmm. um, all those type places that I just named off would be um, in addition to our traditional uh, industrial customers. The thing about our industrial customers is oftentimes the building is not their biggest energy use. And so their, uh, the building's energy use isn't as important to them. Mm -hmm. okay. Now, I think that's going to more and more change. But our ability to parse out the building's energy use from the process's energy use, that's kind of difficult. And some places they may have meters set up for where you can meter the usage differently, but but most places don't. So that's the problem with industrials. But the other places that I just mentioned to you would be good opportunities. And you know, just like large uh, entertainment venues, there aren't that many in our in our territories. But you know, places like the Colonial Center, stuff like that. Yeah. Would like, um, I'll come back. I've got well, it, it, it's, it's kind of a mixed, um, uh, the, the, the office buildings, like state and local government office buildings that, that you're talking about, um, it's interesting because air conditioning and heating is not necessarily critical as it is like in manufacturing at Zeus, for example. Um, but it's, they're different in that it's not like a office um, where you have a property management company. <laughs> it seems like it's a little bit different because they're owned by the state or the school. And it seems like they would still be, like I'm trying to differentiate between those office buildings with what we just talked about and the ones that we don't want to go after, which are like the property management office buildings. Uh, oh, you just said the difference. Yeah, I think that's the, well, I'm just making clear in my mind. <laughs> property, property managers, they're the problem, not the building. Mm. The buildings are great opportunities for what we do. I got you. The property, the property manager, and this see. is, you all have to learn your property managers in your market. Mm -hmm. What is their motivation? What are they selling? What are they offering to their client? What's their story? If their story, and most of the time in cities like Columbia, their story is that we're going to manage your building efficiency and at low cost, efficiently and at low cost this year. They have a much more short term um, connection with the customer. It's, it's very much like y'all and um, say Gimron. Total Comfort Solutions and Gimron. You're in the same business, but you do way different things. Your offering is way different. But their sounds the same about us. Yeah. Understand what's the offering of the um, property manager? 
And when you understand that, then you got to see, is there a value proposition for that property manager? And if their focus is this year and low cost, there's just not a value proposition. But mm. the problem's not the building. It's who's operating the building. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Are they going to hold it? Are they going to flip it? As opposed to the government or the school that's there for the long run and more worried about the the experience of the people in the building. And that's the, mm-hmm. and with the government and the municipalities, you know, as we're just kind of have, getting started having conversations with people, you know, the very, and the very limited exposure that we've had. And so this is where it would be good to have a forum to collaborate outside of just the three of us. Um, what we are finding um, specifically with our, um, whenever we went and talked to the controller for West, the city of West Columbia, mm-hmm. um, it very much so depends on the person because what yeah. we're finding is that the, the state procurement allows for ways for them to choose other than low price, but you just have to have somebody that's willing to do it. Do it. You, you got to have so someone who's got a problem and wants to fix it. And, and, and are they are they a, a, a change agent? Right. And those, and those are key key questions to ask yourself. Mm-hmm. And but when you get into government, um, and government includes K through twelve, but when you get into government, that includes the um, boards. It includes councils. It includes people that are. Every every one of those places has a city council, county council, district school board, uh, school board, uh, and those people often are change agents, and they're like, this is going to be important to us. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage y'all to read your local news and just see what places are having um, the type of things that we can affect. What places are having those as topics that councilmen and councilwomen are bringing up and putting on the table? Mm-hmm. That's going to happen a lot. Mm-hmm. But, but it can happen and y'all not be aware. Yeah. They publish a lot of those. A tip I got was you can look at the minutes from the board meetings, city council board meetings, and you can kind of see, and I would target some more rural places, but you can see challenges that are being brought up in counties that we can get in front of the administrator of the county and start having these conversations before the train gets off this gets started down the line where we can affect that where we can have a discussion to affect that proposal that 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 solution mm-hmm. that solution for that entity yeah it's it- true. You could. I do think this. Sorry to interrupt, Chris. Mm-hmm. No. I think I think that we have to be good at qualifying. Mm-hmm. I think that we have to understand what's happening. We have, we have to go in and we have to gather fairly quickly what's happening in this place, what's happening in this organization, what are the topics, what are the conversations and the issues. I will I will assure you. As we go forward, the things that we affect, the things that we have a value proposition for, are going to more and more and more be 
in their conversation. So let's just say y'all get an appointment. Now, I don't know where, you know, wherever, tell me anywhere. And if it's any kind of public thing, just do a Google search. Before you go, it's like, it's just preparation. It's mm-hmm. just pre-call planning. Hey, I got appointments. You can do this on Saturday evening when you're watching TV or Sunday, you know, during the football game and just mute it and watch it and do a, few, a search. But just search that organization and look at their minutes, like Roger said, from their last meeting. Look at look at uh, the news, a few news articles on that organization, and you'll you'll see what the conversations and what the issues are about. I think it. I think that um, we'll discover that it's going to be a lot more interesting. Good good discussion. My question was about selling the gap. I was hoping you could talk a little bit about selling the gap and I haven't heard you explain it. I've, I've read about it in the book in the binder that we were given. Um, but if you could talk a little bit about some strategies for selling the soft costs, uh, as opposed to the hard costs. Yeah. I w- and I would, um, train myself not to use the phrase soft cost and hard cost because soft cost has a connotation to it of uh, just unimportant. What's that? Uh, yeah, I said unimportant. Yeah, unimportant, um, fake, uh, made up, um, Connery. And that's not what it is. Um, I, the gap to me, what that concept means is you're out there, at the end of the day, you've got to justify an agreement. And you pick the amount, 30000 40000 100000 My plan going into that opportunity is, okay, if I'm going to sell an $80,000 G here, I got to find 40000 in costs, and I got to find 40000 in value. And the 40000 in value is the gap. So the first thing I have to establish with that customer, that prospect, the first thing I have to establish is you're already spending money and already getting a result. Now, the question is, are you spending good money and you like the result? Because during our first call, we're trying to uncover pain or dissatisfaction with that result. Well, when we, if we do a good job of that, pain and dissatisfaction with whatever their situation is, it's worth something to fix that. That's the way business works. People pay money to fix problems and resolve issues and get a better result. So in that case, in my example, I got to find $3,500 a month, $3,300 a month of value associated with their issue, their problem, their need. And so I always, 100% of the time, I know I can find half of the cost of a G that they're already spending. So it takes that $80,000 sale I got to make and turns it into a $40,000 sale. It lowers the bar by half. Now, you sit there and go, well, that's obvious. It's not obvious to everybody you're talking to that they're already spending $40,000. 
That's not obvious to them. You think it is because you do this every day. You have to make that clear. Look, you're already spending that. So we're talking about, now we're talking about you spending $40,000. That's the gap. And that's the value that you have to find. You have to figure out what's their pain worth. Now, if you're going into a place and there's no pain, it ain't worth nothing. Mm-hmm. And that gap just means, why would I pay $40,000 more when I'm happy with what I'm doing right now? Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no motivation to, to sell that gap, to, to buy that gap, excuse me. So that's, that's what I mean. That's the idea of selling the gap. Now, so how do we associate money and value with their problems? That's the fun stuff. That's the, that's the uh, detective work. That's the, um, you're the attorney standing in front of the jury making your case. But I think there's a lot of great ways to come up with value for painful things, pain that they're experiencing. Because pain, by its definition, causes a problem, right? Well, let's talk about that problem. How does that problem affect you? Mr. Customer, Miss Customer. And they start telling you that. You peel the onion a little bit and you understand, oh, well, there's there's a cost there. Let's put a number on that cost. And that is how you sell the gap. So the 40000 in hard cost, um, is that basically what the C2 price would be, I guess? Like how, like how are you coming up with that hard cost number? There today, unless it's a brand new building. I mean, if it's a brand new building, they hadn't started spending anything yet. Okay, but if the building has five years on it or more, they have some type of way that they're caring for that system. So, contracted services on the in the pie. They have repair costs mm-hmm. in the pie, and they have parts of materials in the pie. And by my experience, sometimes even. It's easy. Sometimes it's easy to associate um, labor as well. Mm-hmm. That varies from place to place. But those items, I found at a minimum, those are half a G. Now, our fallacy, our problem, everybody comes into this thing thinking, oh, I just add up the numbers and look, you're saving money. They think the story is saving money. I would tell you that's a weak story. Mm-hmm. Saving money is is a cop candy. Oh, it sounds good, but it doesn't have any real depth to it, and so there's no commitment to change. And, and um, the thing that the thing that I think for me was important for Todd. I had to go into the opportunity with my mind right. What do I have to do? I have to find what's the value that allows me to sell the gap. What's the issue? What's the pain? And from the second I start identifying that pain, I'm trying to figure out how they're spending money on it. How do I make it tangible? How do I make it real? I'm doing that. That's the sell to me. The sell to me isn't going to the customer, going on the survey and finding pictures and showing them their system looks like crap. 
That's not the cell. Half the time when I showed them that, they just went back and chewed out who was doing it right now and told them to do better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. They ain't going to sell anything. So, it's the, but the survey is part of putting the story together. So, when they have pain, I'm going on the survey and I'm taking pictures of why that pain is happening. And I'm going to, I, I try to help show them, I'm going to remove that pain because we're going to address this stuff in this picture. And it, it helps them understand, oh, this company's going to do a real something to change my situation, my problem. So I'm trying to figure that out from the beginning because, let me say this, fellas, if it turns out they're spending $80,000, on service and problems and repairs and parts and materials, that's just going to make my deal easier to sell. Great. It's easier. They got more cost. I'm preparing from the beginning for the worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. If it turns out they got more cost, hey, that's awesome. All the better. It helps me. And I'm still put together a strong story based on their pain. I'm still selling the gap, even when the gap don't exist. Mm-hmm. Got it. What about that? Um, sounds like it doesn't make sense uh, or fake. Well, the so the hard costs, from what I gathered, the hard costs are the parts and materials, um, contracted services, repairs, labor, if they have labor. And the soft costs are things like capital avoidance, energy, administration, productivity, lost productivity, I mean. And what those, and what those equate to are um, ultimately, like, um, like we were talking about yesterday with the churches, personal, per, parishioner experience. And so, you know, with a, a church, um, how do you connect... Um, um, the the lost productivity with parishioner experience, you know, tying the connecting the dots between um, what they're having, what they're experiencing, and the end result. Or if it's a hospitality um, guest experience, or you know, looking at what are the motivations of the person that you're meeting with, you know, because if you're meeting with the GM or the owner of a hospitality group, they're focused mainly on heads and beds. And uh, so tie in, connecting the dot between, okay, on paper, it says lost productivity, but, you know, tie, connecting it to, putting it in their words, relating it to what does lost productivity look like for them, you know, tying into their most, their, their first and foremost objectives. Good stuff, thank you. This, this question and this discussion and this topic is a great one. It's it's worth spending time on with every opportunity that you have. You know, share with Roger and share with Christy and share with me. Um, this is my selling the gap story. This is how I put value on the pain. Um, this like all those things Christy just said. She's right. Those are it's problems in our business. We're looking for problems that we can assign a value to. And what we get better at, as we gain experience, what we get better at is assigning legitimate, tangible value Mm -hmm. to those problems. And 
we can all help with that. We can all brainstorm with that. And you'd be, it, it's amazing when we do that superficially, how weak our story is, but when we really put some effort into it, how strong our story is. Yeah, it's good. Just so you know, guys, um, we had um, this is a little bit different, man, and I know we know this, but it's cool, so I'm going to share it. Um, so Bill and Luke's helping him, but Bill is putting together some final cost on a solution out at Isola, which in the end is not going to be that much money. The project cost it actually isn't, but it's um, crazy to think. You know, I was talking with a guy yesterday. Last year, they threw away a million dollars worth of material. They scrapped it because of the conditions in this one hmm. built room. Wow. <laughs> and the year before that, they threw away $800,000. And they still hmm. haven't done anything about it yet. So I think finally, they might spend a little bit of money to fix it. That's a, that's a gap. That's a, that's a big gap. <laughs> So it's pretty easy, you know, if we can get people talking, you know, and it's easy, it's, it truthfully is a lot easier in a manufacturing environment to come up with lost productivity because they know they how much money. They speak the same language. Yeah, they know exactly how much money. It's harder to equate that in um, whenever you're dealing with people and environments and, you know, churches, hospitality yeah. or churches. Right. But, um, you know, it doesn't, it's, it's not a hard sell to say, you know, you know, everybody's been there. If it's if you're having issues and the sanctuary is too hot in the summertime, they're not going to come to church. And um, unless they're set up on that d- direct deposit give, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> they may or may not make up their um, their uh, donation to the church that previous week. And, and what that sounds like in, in a church setting, what that sounds like is complaints. Mm-hmm. Mm. Complaints. Because also churches, I agree with you, I agree with what Christy just said, but I'll say this too, churches want people talking about growth in Christ and Christian things and the ministries and that. They don't want people complaining about the temperature and the noise and the humidity and cost and downtime and failures and we can't use this room because it's not comfortable or the nursery and the kids and they all have to bring their jackets because it's cold in the nursery they don't want the conversations to be about all that stuff mm-hmm. yeah. so when we can show them a, a financially responsible way to get rid of those problems they may have a they may be an advocate they may be a change agent for us I like that yeah and you know it really the things that um we're talking about it really does when when we are doing our pre-call plan really well which you guys do you know i i I really do think you all getting in the head of the people that we're meeting with and trying to figure out in advance what their motivations are going to be and then Mm -hmm. speaking to them getting them to verbalize them and then um weaving in what we find back to how can we help them achieve achieve what their objectives are because just like Todd's saying you're right if you go meet with Ryan Maloney at my church he don't you know I told y'all we're trying to we're busting out walls because we don't have enough room for people because we want them to to stay when they come to church and not be turned away because there's not a seat for them mm-hmm. you know that's his biggest pain right now that's good stuff I got a nine o'clock call I got to jump on here in a minute but uh this is great I, I think this stuff is golden for 
ideas on trying to sell some ideas for making things tangible ideas for how do we convey it and relate it because there, there should be actual proof there should be articles and tools and stuff that we take out of different magazines and websites that we print out and have with us mm-hmm. in our customer book to prove these things we are saying but the more, the more you can do that the more tangible you make it they, they believe you and it's real and it's they have confidence in it and that's when they're willing to go to bat for you mm-hmm. they're, they're going to believe you. there's a risk in change and there's a risk in championing change and there's a risk in hey I got somebody new that I think can do a great job we have to give people enough confidence that they're willing to take that risk mm-hmm. that's great stuff thank you very much guys You too. Thank you. Good stuff.